0: and welcome to today's intelligent property investor masterclass so good to have you listening in now remember I do these so that you make better decisions because with more data with more facts behind you you make more intelligent decisions which means you get better results on the other end so if you are listening to me on any of the podcast uh, platforms like iTunes or on Spotify please go across to my website at some stage. It's iloverealestate.tv and it'll give you all of the charts and all of the things that I'm going through. Plus there's a whole lot of other free stuff there as well and it'll let you know what I'm up to and where I've got some bits and pieces on. So there's lots of good stuff there for you. So let's get into the masterclass for the week. Okay, the first thing I want to talk about is that economists see very low chance of an Aussie recession. Um, and I want to talk about when you average out the performance of of the uh, economists, it's interesting what results you get. Why economists are almost always wrong individually, but when taken as a group, they're actually pretty close to the money. Why the property prices nationally are taking a breather, and while one city is still posting huge growth. How much income you need to be wealthy these days, but why even high income earners can still be broke. So let's start with the economists. Here we go. The conversation uh, survey surveyed a range of economists on their economic outlook. That's interesting in its own its own right. Um, on the whole, the outlook still looks robust and, and good with only a small chance of a recession by a few people. Now I've got a jar here. This is a jar of jelly beans. It's like if you have one jelly bean out there, can you really trust it? But when you have a whole jar of jelly beans, well, the fact is, it's probably gonna be pretty close to the money. So let's have a look at some of the results that they came up with, because they're kind of cool. This actually shows you um, inflation. And where the economists across the board, and there their names are the ones that they interviewed, believe that inflation is going to get to. Um, for 2022, uh, the average, as you can see, is uh, 6.7. Now, the budget that we had in 2022 was 4.3. If we look at the, as passes through to 2023, the average is saying it'll be around about 4.8. And then uh, back down in the budget, it said 3%. So across the board, uh, the the economists generally feel that we're going to overreach. Things are going to go up before they start to come down. But if you look at you know the longer term picture of the average, 4.8 is really not that bad. I know it's a little bit higher than where the RBA would like to see it, but it's still not that bad and then you look at a chart like this and they go okay where is it going to happen you pose the question to all these economists the average comes in at 7.1 and it's going to peak at the end of this year so that's when they reckon it's going to peak and that's where it's going to turn around and then start to come down interesting isn't it then you have a look at the next one here and this is really about the interest rates where do they see the underlying cash rate going to well, the average by December of this year, they reckon it'll go to about 2.2, which is the, the RBA cash rate, not the actual, you'd have to add 2.5% pretty much to that for your interest rate that you're paying on your variable interest rates. Um, and by uh, the same time, June uh, next year, in 2023, uh, 2.6. So they really see it going up and then stabilising, which is kind of kind of interesting. Where is it going to actually peak? Well, again, they see it peaking Probably around the September-ish period of time as to where they see it peaking and, uh, you know, what that means. It's interesting though when you take the average, look at all those dots. They're all over the place. Nobody's got a damn clue what's going to happen. Let's move on. So this is the, uh, this is the average of, um, how likely it's, it's going to be that there's going to be a recession either in, uh, the US or in China. So this is 2022. Um, it's uh, you know the sorry this is the inflation rate sorry for 2022 I'll talk about the recession in a minute uh, for 2022 in the US uh, they believe it'll go to 4.2 and in China 2.7 so that's a bit interesting then you have a look at the chance of a recession in the US. There's a 40% chance that, that the US will go into recession over the next two years. So again, less than a 50-50. Um, most people think that it probably won't happen, um, and they're far more risky than uh, we are here in Australia. We're a far more controlled uh, economy than what you're seeing in the US. So. Uh, when you look at that chart, you can see that's what they, they're they picking. And as far as timing is concerned, um, the average, they're saying, is around about the March time period uh, next year, 2023. So this is a chance of an Australian economy going into recession. And you can see there over the next two years, and they reckon there's only a very small 20% chance that we would ever go into a recession. Uh, and some of them are obviously picking a lot lower percentage than that. When would that happen if it was going to happen? Probably around mid next year, but only a 20% chance. And honestly, when, when the weather department, the, you know, the bomb website says there's a 20% chance of rain, how often are they actually right? <laughs> so likelihood? Probably not. This is an interesting chart because what this shows is the um, the forecast for the GDP. But this is the change. So this is this is the the Australian economic growth over those periods. So you can see the lines coming down. What does that mean? It means that the growth rate is coming down. It doesn't mean that we're going into recession. It doesn't mean that that you know everything is declining. What it means is that the growth at which we're growing is coming back and then we kind of stabilize around the 2023-24 and the difference between the average of what the economists are saying and the budget is pretty jolly close actually petering out to being on top of each other by 2025-26. So that's that's actually quite interesting because obviously the economy is still growing, we're still doing well, we've got close to full employment um, you know, we haven't even opened the borders to migration yet, but that's going to add a bit of a whammy to Australia. So the growth rate is going to to still be very, very strong. It's just not as strong as perhaps it was, uh, you know, through 2021-22 when we had massive growth because we came from such a low base. This chart here is wages growth. Um, so again, you can see that the the prediction is that we're going to continue to have wages growth and the average by June next year, 2023, is likely to be about 3.6%. The budgeted figure uh, out of the last budget was 3.3, so pretty close, really. And by June 24, they don't, they see it continuing to rise, which again, we're, we're going through a period of where we didn't have a lot of increase for a long time. So, um, you know, 3.4 by 2022, June 2022, sorry, June 2024, um, is pretty good, considering again, we were budgeting 3.3. So. Yeah, pretty much on the money there. I feel unemployment rates um, we are very low right now. Um, they're predicting the average by by June next year to be somewhere around three point nine percent, which is incredibly low. And by June twenty four, four point two percent. Now the budget has said it was going to be around about three point seven five for both years. Um, close, close enough not much in it really. So what that indicates is if you take the average of you know what all the economists are saying, you probably get something reasonably on the money. And what it says is that the economy is ticking along. Growth will be there. It won't be as big a growth as we've seen in previous years, but it's still there. Unemployment will still remain low. Inflation will overkick itself so it'll go higher and then it'll come back. Um, interest rates will do pretty much the same. They'll go up and then stabilise a little bit, not quite as a kickback as we saw it, we're going to see in inflation. Um, But the rates are not that bad. You know, if you go back a few years, you go back to, gosh, you know, um, 2006, 2007, 2010, we started to have a look at, Uh, you know, where interest rates were then. And I remember I had students coming to me when we'd come off 10%, 9.5%, 9%, 8.5%, 8%. Rates are so low. Do you think I should lock it in for five years? (laughs) Well, guess what happened? And I'm so much against locking in rates, although I did have a period of time where I said, yes, now's the time to lock it in. Um, but, you know, interest rates are actually rising. Um, the fixed rates now have already caught up with the predictions as to where it's going to be. Uh, so, We were making money when it was an 8% interest rate. We were making money when it was 5% interest rate. You know, the fact that we've just had such a long period of time with low interest rates, everybody's forgotten. I made money back in the 80s when it was 17, 18, 19, 20% interest rates. Interest rates do not govern uh, house pricing. In fact, when we have periods of high inflation and when we have periods of high um, interest rates, guess what? Property prices go up. So now is the time to get excited. Now is the time to take action when everybody else is asleep and listening to all the mainstream media. So, property prices have taken a little bit of a breather through June. Um, you know, we saw the, the, the figures come out and they've posted their second month, which is a little bit of a fall in some areas, in some suburbs, not all suburbs. And this is where you've got to become your area expert and use your grid variance analysis. If you're a student of mine, you know exactly what I'm talking about to be able to pick where you should be actually investing. However, this comes after a long and very strong run. So a little bit of a kickback really is nothing. I mean, for God's sake, we got 20, 25% growth rates in 2021. So a little bit of an easing isn't such a bad thing. If you have a look at the uh, the change in dwelling values, um, for the month yep we went down a little bit for june particularly in sydney and melbourne a little bit in hobart and a little bit in the combined uh just because combined capital cities just because of sydney and melbourne but if you have a look at the other cities even for the month adelaide was up brisbane was up a tiny smidge um, perth was up a little bit um, darwin was up nearly 1% canberra was up 0.3 and the combined regionals was up 0.1. So there's not a lot in it. I mean, everyone's panicking about this, but it's such a small figures. It's nothing to be concerned about. And when you look at the quarter, again, Sydney and Melbourne were the main ones. Um, and they had those extreme uh, increases. And it's, it's in some suburbs. This is a thing. It's not every suburb. So you've got to do your analysis. But look at the others and look at, look at where they are. I mean, Adelaide, my God, it's up uh, 5.1%, which is huge. Brisbane, 27 um, darwin 2.2.3 uh, um, combined regionals two percent so you know you can pick the kind of data you want to you want to put on the mainstream media if you want to but the reality is we're still very strong obviously you look if you look at the annual um they're extremely strong because 2021 was so strong so they're really not one that you can take any uh credence from you just look at the you know the last quarter and yeah, they've started to ease but that's okay if you have a look at um, you know, the rolling three month change in dwelling values is just put a different way. You can see there what it looks like on a bit of a, a line chart across the across the some of the capitals there. And this is the uh the, the change in the combined capitals and combined regionals. So both of them have eased a little bit. Combined uh regionals is still running at around about two percent, but yeah, the percentage growth has come back, but is still growing. There's a little bit of a, a bit of a multi-speed going on here between every capital city and regional area, and it's seen a reduction in the trend of growth rates. So that's why we're starting to see a little bit of an easing in some of the capitals. But obviously, we're still seeing the massive, um, you know, strength uh, when you uh, you look at the three months and what that means across all the cities and all of the regionals. They're all very, you know, quite strong really for the last three months. There's another way of putting that same data. You can see there on a on a bar chart, just all the ups and downs for the three months. And if you look at the three months, because um, June was was you know in isolation, which is fine. But look at what's happened over the three months. The majority, with the exception of uh, a few being Sydney and Melbourne, uh, are all in the in the in the positive. They're not in the negative. Rents are still up, still growing strongly in most capital cities. You know, 10, 13% growth in some areas, um, which is, which is huge. And that actually causes a lot of movement. This is obviously houses, but it causes a lot of movement out of other sectors into property just to get the yield because the yield has been so strong and continues to remain strong. Same applies for units. Um, but there's a little bit of a, a more affordability when you have a look at units. So there's a bit of a, a trend there, but oh, you know, word of caution, if you're going to buy a unit, don't buy the, you know, the, the end of the line product, the developer's profit off the plan, that kind of stuff. Buy something you can actually improve. Buy something you can renovate. Buy something you can do some manufactured growth on and actually make some money as well as what's happening in the market and get the higher yield um, where prices are still reasonably um, affordable there. So um, gross yields, you can see where they've gone. They're all extreme, all extreme, all up, you know, all adding strength to the property market. And as soon as we open the international borders to migration, that's gonna get worse. It'll first hit the, um, the rental market and then it will move across into the housing price market. But it will happen and it's gonna happen hard when it does happen. So be prepared for that, be part of it is what I say. Be prepared, be part of it. Don't be sitting on the sideline. Don't be sitting there thinking that, oh, I'll wait till whenever before I act, you will miss the boat. We've got this really unique period of time where action is required, but, and it's only while we have this crisis of confidence out here where most people are asleep, don't wait too long is my but. Don't wait too long, it's happening now. You, You know, this is where you need to really get excited about the market and everything that it represents income is not wealth now some interesting figures that have come out uh, through the week particularly as it relates to America but obviously that uh, that puts a a bit of a a, uh, indicator as to what's happening in Australia as well so the survey data showed that people think they need an income of around $300,000 to be considered rich however American survey shows the data that one in three people earning over $250,000 are still living paycheck to paycheck. You know, your burn must be less than you earn. So, uh, you know, even on the higher echelon salaries, people aren't living within their means, particularly in America. Not so much here. This American chart, you can see there, you know, the average net wealth um, to be wealthy, uh, prior to to pandemic, we were running at about 2.4, 2.3 um, for 2021. Obviously, right in the just pre-pandemic, it was 2.6. Then we dropped down to 1.9 for 2021, and we're up to 2.2 for 2022. To be financially comfortable, we're running at around about 1.4 in 2008. for 2009, 934 uh, for the pre-pandemic before it took the dive, down to uh, 624 in 2001, and now we're back up in 2002 to 774. So they're pretty low figures, really. I mean, when you look at I Love Real Estate and everything we do there, you know, achieving those kind of levels of wealth is really not that hard. And that's why I encourage everybody to get educated and start to, you know, get those figures up for yourself. America again, um, this is across the baby boomers. How much uh, do you need to earn per year to be considered rich? The baby boomers are up there at 303. The Gen Xs are 354. The Gen Ys are 329. And the Gen Zs are 286 in the, uh, uh, for Finder, which was pretty interesting, really. This has um, been put out on Bloomberg, and it was talking about how Americans with high incomes, over $250,000, are living paycheck to paycheck. And then, you know, how many, even with the high salaries, are actually in um, budget stress simply because they're wasting money. You know, it's not because they can't live. It's just they're wasting money. So these are the US high income earners and how they're living paycheck to paycheck. So the black line is the millennials, the blue line are the boomers. Um, So the millennials, if they're earning between 100,000 to 150,000, 63% of them are still living paycheck to paycheck. Of the boomers, only 26%. Um, The salary of between 150,000 and 200, 56% of the millennials are paycheck to paycheck, 22% of the boomers. Between 200,000 and 250,000, 50% Fifty percent, basically, of the millennials are still living paycheck to paycheck. Boomers, twenty percent. Over two hundred and fifty, it's fifty-five point four percent of the millennials are living paycheck to paycheck, and twenty-one uh, percent of the um, of the boomers. So, it's a very sad tale, isn't it? It's a very sad um, indictment of of um, living and humans and and the way that we simply aren't uh, you know, managing our budgets, particularly for Americans, more so than here in Australia. When you look at their debt levels, again, this is an American chart, but I, I think it's it's worth heeding. Um, more than one-fifth of high-income earners have a revolving credit card debt, so they never pay it off. So the black line is um, never or rarely pay it off. Occasionally is the pink, and always and usually is the yellow. So the biggest proportion of people just don't pay their, their credit cards off. It sits there forever and ever and a day. And that is ridiculous when the interest rate is up around 20 odd percent. Oh dear. There's a lot to be learnt from that I can tell you, but that's not you. That's not where you're at because you wouldn't be listening to this if, uh, you know, you were in those kind of predicaments. So my thought for the week is this. Ask yourself. If what you're doing today is getting you closer to where you want to be tomorrow, is it? Have you actually taken some action today? You're going to take some action tomorrow? Well, I'm giving you an opportunity to take your action today to get you closer to where you want to be tomorrow. And that is take up one of my free real estate breakthrough sessions with one of my advisors. They're about 30 odd minutes long. They're free. And they'll talk to you about where you are and where you want to go and how we can help you get there and the things that you need to do to make it happen. So all you need to do is to go to iloverealestate.tv forward slash questions forward slash and, uh, you know, go in there, take up one of the appointments, put it in your diary so you don't forget the time, and turn up and let my advisors help you. It's free, Um, you know, it's one of the things that I'm doing to help you make better decisions so you can get better results. So that's it for me this week. Thank you for listening. Uh, This is the Intelligent Property Investor Masterclass for the week, and I'll be back again to talk to you next week with some more exciting stuff in the economics area. See you then. Bye now.